1: I would teach somebody the process of defining what you are seeking, because I think once you, if they're going to be an apprentice, they're going to start climbing the ladder. And I think what happens a lot of times is that people climb ladders only to get to the top, realizing that the ladders were leaning up against the wrong wall. And I think the most important thing we could all do at a young age is determine what wall do we want our ladders leaning up against from there if there's something that i've been successful at it is um climbing those rungs and the goals that i've set forth for myself i like i i've been incredibly intentional about arranging my time and efforts to be able to achieve those goals
0: we are here because we know the outcomes in our lives are within our control that taking absolute ownership of how we eat, sleep, train, think, and connect with each other is how we'll optimize our health and happiness, that Chasing Excellence is how we grab hold of what is possible. Our mission is to live on the run, always chasing, never stopping. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Chasing Excellence. How you doing, Ben? Ben? I'm doing excellent, Patrick. Now, now I always think about like the person
1: that said, are we ever not excellent or never not good?
0: We're never not great. i actually,
1: I thought about that like a lot since you brought that up in the last recording or whenever we, I think about that all that question all the time now. It's like, how are you really doing? And yeah, yeah. The answer is usually almost always really, really good, if not better.
0: Yeah. That's a, it's, we actually recorded an episode in advance, so that, that won't come out for a bit, but mm -hmm. all good.
1: There we go. There we go. So, I mean, nobody to...
0: knows what yeah. we're talking about, but
1: there we go. They will. I'm doing them. very very well. Thanks for asking, Patrick.
0: I'm happy to hear that, my friend. Um today we're returning to Hopper Talk. Hopper Talk for us is relatively new. I think this is the fourth one that we've done, and Hopper Talk is our excuse to not that we don't usually have fun, but our excuse to have kind of a, a bit of random fun uh and pick pick each other's brain about, um, topics that we definitely don't usually talk about, um, other than uh, the occasional CrossFit related one. Uh, and, uh, so as we, as we have for the last couple of times, I'll ask a, a question. We'll kind of bounce back and forth on uh, how we would answer it and we see if we have any fights. We haven't had any fights yet. We generally agree with each other on yeah. things, but, um, we'll see how, see how today goes. First question we have, if you could choose to stay a certain age forever, what age would it be? I'll let you go first.
1: Okay. Uh. I- um so i'm 44 right now Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna i'm gonna i think you have to put some like disclaimers around what this means um because i i mean because otherwise if you don't put like here's the thing is like i think you have to be like you're staying at that physicality and maturity level and Mm -hmm. knowledge and wisdom base forever because otherwise, so okay. You, otherwise, you go like I'd be twenty two, like a peak of my physicality, <laughs> and you gain more and more wisdom as you go. But I, that's what I'm gonna say is like you no. Know, so it's like so this is
0: kind of like for you, it's like a groundhog day type.
1: Yeah. So you thing. you you stay the same wisdom, knowledge, all that, and but you're you're in the same like um from a physical health standpoint. Um, so I would, and I'm 44 right now, and also I say that everyone around you stays the same age. So I put on a lot of. So, I would choose um, 47 or 48. So, so future. Future. future, I would go future. Oh, I didn't anticipate that. Okay. Well, I think that every year gets better. Like, honestly, every decade, like... I really enjoy... My teenage years were good. My 20s were really so fun. I loved 30s and 40s have been even better. So Mm
0: -hmm. I
1: think that my later 40s are going to be even better. But I do feel like at 50, like maybe some sort of like physical stuff might start to pop up and I don't want that. I also want uh, three or four more years older of my kids so that they can... They're more capable. So my youngest now are um, seven and nine. So them being like you know, 11 and 13, I think it'd just be dope. Like young enough that they like still want to ski with me and do the stuff with me, but not so old that they want to like go hang out with their friends on a Saturday night. (laughs) So I would choose like that, 47 or 48, future Ben.
0: I love that. I didn't even think about future. Now I just want to steal your answer. That's the age,
1: right? That's like any age, like,
0: yes. That's that's a great point. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Um, The only thing that I really thought about was um, and it's kind of, it may, maybe, maybe to, to explain how I got there is a little bit of context. There's a, there's a, movie, I don't know that a lot of people saw it, but it's called about time. It's like a British romantic comedy type thing. It's actually not bad. Um, but the premise of it is that the, 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 the men in a, in the family that the, have the ability to go back in time, um, they go back in time and they can bop back and sort of like a, a, whatever random, uh, ability that they have and so the 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 story is about this young guy kind of figuring that out, falling in love, et cetera, having family um and one of the things that happens is he goes back in time to a point in uh in his life before he had kids, and he does something he fixes something blah 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 comes back to the present time and he walks into his house to say hi to his kid and his kid is a different is a different kid <laughs> it's a different gender, right the idea being of course like you go back. And everything going forward changes, right? And so, as I was thinking about this question, the only thing I really thought about was like, well, it has to be sometime, at least within the last four years, since since because I you had, had your kids. kids, yeah, yeah. And because beyond that, like, yeah. I can't go back. I, I'm never gonna go. I never want to go back to a time before that. But now, like, your point is perfect. Like a little bit older. Still kind of everything is still working well and going well. Um, so I'm going to go, yeah, I'm going to, yeah, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to copy you and say like 45, 47, something like that feels perfect. I'm telling you, 44 is a great year. So, yeah. All right. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to be 40 this year. So I'm I'm not too bad about you. All right. Next question. Should we normalize and celebrate adults taking regular naps? Like we do small kids. Your turn. I I think absolutely. Yes. And the reason I think is when I think about, when I think about the, the, there's a lot of time traveling in this, in this episode, I'm realizing already, when I think about the future, when I think about like what the, what the world is going to demand of us, of, of people in the next, whatever, five, 10, 15, 50 years, whatever. As automation and AI and robotics improve, rote tasks, things that we're doing now that are going to be able to be automated. They're going to be taken away from us, right? They're going to um, computers will be doing a lot of the things that we're doing now, which leaves us one to figure out. Well, what are we going to do? And we as a species, like, where are we going to fit into this this new automated, robotic, AI driven world? And the answer, I think, is we're going to be creative. We're going to have to figure out. What's next? We're going to have to figure out, you know, uh, the author, um, he's a founding editor of Wired magazine, Kevin Kelly. Um, he asked this question in one of the books, which I love, which is as these things continue to happen and as automation and, and robotics continue to grow, the question we have to ask ourselves is, well, what are humans for? What is our role right now? Our what we're for is is a lot of manual labor, quite frankly. And as that as that disappears, well, we've got to ask ourselves, well, what are we for? And I think the answer, while I don't certainly know the answer, the answer is going to come by being more creative, by being, um, by thinking, by being more innovative, by more, by being more innovative. How does this relate to naps? You are more creative when you are more rested. And so the more rested we can become, however that happens, whether it's naps or whether we just get to bed on time, I think ultimately is going to be more beneficial in, uh, uh, to ourselves individually and, and us on a, on a society level. So if naps are the way we have to get there, I'm all for it.
1: So I'll, um, I'll jump on one of the last points you made, which is yeah. um, we should be celebrating more sleep. I don't think we should be celebrating yeah. more naps. I actually think naps cool. are the compensation for lack of sleep. So to that point, I think if we have to take naps during the normal waking hours that we're supposed to be awake, that seems like we're just compensating for doing something poor something else poorly so that we're band yeah exactly we're band-aiding yeah. the real problem so yep. I think what we should be doing is not celebrating um, what we've come as a society to celebrate is the person that is the most busy, the most rushed, the most overworked that gets the least amount of sleep because those people seem like they're the most important and we're placating to people's egos rather than their health and their creativity and their productivity. So um, I do not think we should be celebrating naps. I think that we should be celebrating um, sleep and anything underneath, I don't really say seven to nine hours, but is that seven hours of actual high quality sleep or is that seven hours of being in bed? And if it's of actual high quality sleep, like no, very, very, very few people are getting that. So I think we should be making 10 hours of sleep the norm. Um, and that should be like, almost like a default, just like brushing your teeth, just like eating your vegetables, just like, um, looking both ways before you cross the street. That's what we should be celebrating.
0: Yeah. Do you track sleep at all? Like on, like with a device of any kind?
1: Yeah. I, i use whoop and then I track it. Um, I track every day that in my track, everyone that listens to podcast knows I track things every day. Um, I write down every day I get over seven hours. I give myself a check. Yep, And that's seven hours of actual sleep. That's seven right? hours of whoop, actual sleep. So Got it. usually that equates to over eight hours in bed. So yeah. it's almost like you lose yeah, actually, an hour of like disturbances and getting up and peeing and just like how long did it take you to actually fall asleep? How much yeah. time do you, yeah. So it's actually yeah, seven hours of actual sleep.
0: Yeah. Uh, Stephen Kotler has written that before. And he was the first person. I mean, it, it makes sense, but he was the first person I saw to say, it, which is that if you want eight hours, be in bed for nine hours. If you yeah, want eight hours of right. sleep, be in bed for nine hours. Yep. And and what's interesting about it, and, you're, and you're, you're, you're right. And the reason I asked about the devices, because I, I use a Fitbit. And when I started doing that, I was always really surprised at the difference between like, well, I was in bed at X and I got up then. That's before I'd be like, oh, yeah. I got eight hours of sleep, or whatever. But when you actually look at it and obviously kids, kids affected, but like even just a good night of sleep, you still realize, oh yeah, no, I was tossing and turning. I wasn't quite asleep. Right. So you've got to, you've got to recognize that being in bed is not the same as being asleep.
1: Absolutely. Yes.
0: Next question. Would you rather travel 100 years forward or a hundred years back in time?
1: You, uh, you go. Yeah. A hundred years forward. Like no question whatsoever um so i am um at heart an optimist if we're and i believe that the future is gonna be brighter than the past and if um i'm also like so interested in the unknown and like Mm. the the past is just like going back and watching a movie you've already watched i'd be so much more interested in watching a movie i haven't seen yet and um now there's some downsides to that in that like i i don't want to because it's a hundred years it makes sense to me because I would then go and hmm, actually now let am kind of rethinking this. I don't, also don't want to know my own future. And I think if I mm. if I was to travel 100 years and like go, you know, and be in California, that's what I would want to do. I don't want to travel yeah. 100 years for and like see my household, mm. you know, and like what's going on? Like what, what's, what are my children like at that point? What, you know, I don't want to know that stuff, but if it's just like, see where society and humanity are a hundred years past or a hundred years forward for sure. A hundred years
0: forward. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I agree with you um, for all those reasons. I, I like your point about it, not being dropping into your own life, but just getting a sense of the, what, what does the world look like now? Yeah. I think, I think it's, i i think I think I'm with you. I think that a hundred years from now is gonna be so different than what it is today that it that it's gonna be mind blowing and I think that that here's would be
1: the, like it's gonna be mind blowing absolutely so think about like just like the trajectory of humanity like like what's actually happened so you know from like Adam and Eve, or we crawled out of the ponds and became like, nothing really changed that much until like the agricultural revolution. Like we just were like, Mm -hmm. we were constantly like foraging for fruits and veggies and hunting game. And we lived in our very small tribes. That was like, and nothing changed until we like settled down and grew our own crops and we domesticated animals. And also because of that, we had, and that was like hundreds of thousands of years. Like, I mean, on the timeline, that's, yeah. That's hundreds of thousands of years, <clears throat> if not longer. And then just in the course of a few thousand years from agricultural, we had then had the next big thing, which was like the industrial revolution, where now something could move faster than a horse, where you could travel around the world. And then all of a sudden, like we went from that to the technological revolution. And like these revolutions happened like hundred thousand years apart, 10,000 years apart. Yep. A hundred, couple hundred to like now it's getting closer and closer and closer. And now the one that's going to change it all is this technological revolution because technology builds technology. Yep. It's not like we figured out farming, which did have a massive – in terms of like – I don't want to underplay how important that was because in mm-hmm. terms of – but a lot of bad came from that, like sanitation issues because we had cities for the first time. building and to do that. I think that this is the cusp of something – incredibly massive. I think we're at the bottom of the hockey stick in terms of, yeah. you know, as you said, us as a species right now. It'd be so cool to see what 100 years from now looks like,
0: which we might. Yeah. We might Somebody see out there listening, somebody out there listening could, you know, Not younger folk, I know we have a lot of yeah. teens out there. Possible. Should, uh, next question, should the lottery be illegal? All right. Uh, I think it's your turn. My turn? <laughs> Oh, man. I think yes. Yeah. And I think the reason yes is because it feels to me like, so what is the purpose of the lottery, at least as I understand it? And I, I certainly have never actually looked into this, but my layman's understanding of the lottery is that it raises revenues for states, for municipalities, for whatever, right? To build roads, bridges, et cetera. That to me feels like a very... Stupid cop out, cop-out way of yeah. Doing, yeah 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 it, <laughs> it would strike because what what is it it's a, it's a transfer of wealth from the rich to the poor because who's playing the lottery far you know i don't want to over generalize but who's going to play the lottery it's the people who feel like the lottery is going to be their ticket to 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 a life that they can't they they that they can't reach you know by by any other means necessary at least any other means that they feel and so yeah we should we should fix bridges, we should fix roads. we should we should build better schools. I think we should do that by making sure that everybody pays the taxes they're supposed to pay instead of building instead of um, making their corporations uh, held in Ireland so they don't have to pay uh, federal taxes or something uh, absurd. So to me, it just feels like we're it's a stopgap. it's a band-aid to um what would actually be helpful, which is like every everybody just generally, paying their own fair share. Uh
1: I agree with you on all of those cases. I don't think it should be illegal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe uh, illegal just, is too strong. Just because it's like prohibition, like just because it's yeah. not good for you just because it's not good for society doesn't mean it should be illegal. Um because yeah. I think you're going to cause more problems than I think then all people do is they have underground illegal gambling yeah. or I lotteries. Mean, yeah. So I I yeah. You know, and if it's going to be legalized in casinos or other forms of fashion, like why would we not yeah. want to do it in a way that could create revenue for the state?
0: Yep, that's true. All right, maybe not. Maybe not illegal. Maybe no. Sticking to not your guns. you necessary. maybe just Keep not it. as necessary. How about that? All right, I'm sticking with them.
1: Next maybe question. Maybe regulated, if, or you you can't spend. You can only spend. <laughs> so, you only buy one lottery ticket a day, or something. Yeah, maybe. If you were
0: given 1,000 acres of land, what would you do with it?
1: Uh, so it depend on where the, it was. If yeah. it was in the desert, if it was in the rainforest yeah. or there. But um, generally let's, let's
0: what Let's assume I, that it's like a, a useful place. Like you can do something with it. <laughs> okay.
1: So um, generally what I would do is I would, I would do two things, I think. Um, I would preserve it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would uh, take care of it and basically do next to nothing with it allow people to use it in a really low impact manner. And then I would create some sort of um, sustainable farming that is actually um, helping uh, CO2 emissions and healthy agriculture and all the good things that come from, um, you know, um, cycling crops with um, top crops and all the rest. But Mm -hmm. that's the two things I would do. I'd let people, um, you know, imagine like, some sort of like real, like a nature preserve with paths that so people could go experience it. And then I would, uh, create some sort of sustainable farm and, or something that we've talked about before, which is like a retreat health oasis type yeah. thing. Maybe yeah. all three of those combined.
0: Yeah, that's true. Um, I was just going to ask you a question, but I forget what it is. Cause you got, you got me excited about that last thing. Um, what my, the first thing i think about here is one yes the, like if it's in the middle of the desert that's not particularly helpful but the second thing that, like literally the immediate thing i thought after that is i have no idea how big a thousand acres is
1: well that i <laughs> like, yeah i, mean, I kind of want to google a thousand acres yeah. like so i know how big 10 acres is okay. i can't i can't but i don't like that's too that's too big of a jump for me to do the yeah. multiplication to figure out how big that is yeah i, I think it would be miles
0: yeah I mean, it's certainly it's certainly
1: uh, uh, we're we're probably like exposing our our ignorance <laughs> and idiocy <laughs> okay. right now. People, are listeners are going like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> let's say let's do uh, it yeah. miles. I would say like let's say you have like ten ten square miles.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So that, I think what I would do is I, lo- I'm I love the last way you off said, of that. Like, yeah, actually, that was my question: is do you think the like the farming and the sustainability and all that stuff? Would you do it as? um would you do it as like a like a like a proof of concept type thing, where like you're doing it so that you can show others how it can be done, or are you just doing it because like that's a good use of uh, a good use of land?
1: Well, I'd have to have someone else show me how it's done, so I'm definitely not doing it as proof right. of concept. <laughs> so uh, I would I would get someone on my team that knows what they're doing, right. and they would hire yeah, okay. another team that really know, that also knows what they're doing, and I would be a part of it. And I would be able right. to like you know uh, move the soil from you know, place to place.
0: You do the manual labor. Yes.
1: I would do. Ma- yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I love sh- shoveling. So I would do, I would be the shovel guy.
0: <laughs> cool. Um, I love what you said. I think the only thing that I thought about was maybe, a, to harken back to a, a previous hopper talk, uh, episode where we talked about, um, the flow hotel, which number of people, uh, told me rightly that I should have just said Flotel, um, which, yeah. you know, which cool. Um so maybe uh, you know what They've I thought about it is maybe for you. Yeah, maybe create a uh you know, create a th- similar to what you said, but a getaway that allows folks to um for extended periods of time get into a place of creativity and flow, health, all that stuff and really build like build the build the entire environments that would allow that to yeah. to happen. Yeah. I think that'd be fun. Next question. What is one thing you would change about how CrossFit started that you feel would have an po- would have a positive impact or positive effect today? Get your turn. Me first? Yep. I think I think the first thing I think about is I would have called the CrossFit game something else. Hmm. I would have cool. called. I don't know. I don't know exactly what I would have called it. I, I should have come up with some creative name for it. But I would have called it something else. Everything else could have been the same. You're not saying Every, games. Could,
1: you're saying don't use the word CrossFit. Don't
0: use the word CrossFit. Yeah. So like the Call fitness
1: it, world championships.
0: Yeah. Some something cool, but something that that would allow the separation that I think is still. You know, we've talked about it a bunch. This the the lack of separation is breeds a lack of clarity. And the big, sexy, loud, expensive thing then therefore is adopted as the everything. And I think that's the thing that's hindered growth for the last five years is people's misperception that one is the other and the other is is this thing. Um, and so that's what I would do. I, I would maybe call it something other than the CrossFit Games, just so that there's a little bit of space in between those things so that those two identities, those two brands could have been built again, in parallel, but not identically. That's a cool answer.
1: Um, I disagree, but I think it's a cool answer. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, I I, I, know. I, I like the synergy between the two. I just think it's, yeah. uh, I think it's, maybe this is the answer is they didn't do a good enough job of, um, showing the differentiation, explaining the differentiation, but that's still not my answer. Um, I would have done same type of thing is, uh, in terms of like you, you said, like, what's the thing that hindered growth or, um, Mm -hmm. you know, created some less than favorable opinions in the marketplace. I would have, um, I don't know how to do this, but this is what I would have, um, going back in, in hindsight is created some sort of vetting process or hierarchy for affiliates, so just like we have level one, hmm. two, three, four for trainers, having levels one, two, three, four for affiliates. I think that's one of the that's biggest thing that's holding us back is people that go and experience a CrossFit and that you don't know it from anything else. And that's CrossFit to you. And um, and unlike you go into a uh, any other sort of franchise, I'm not saying franchise it. I think it's cool that they're yep. letting people run the business how they want to. I would have given b- more business support to affiliate owners and i would have created a um some sort of hierarchical system where mm-hmm. let's say if you're a level 1 trainer you can um coach you can coach crossfit but you can't call it crossfit yet you can use the methodology you can train people so it allow people like me when i started this um i wasn't going to open up a gym but i i i wanted to train people part time be able to use the crossfit methodology i could do that and then so on and so on and once you become a level 3 coach or a level 4 coach then you can open up an affiliate or then you can mm-hmm. call your affiliate Powered by CrossFit or CrossFit dot dot dot. Um, if they had done that, yes, it would have slowed the growth on the onset because you wouldn't have as many affiliate owners. But the brand name—imagine if only people owning Crossfits right now were Level Four trainers, which, by the way, there's like a hundred of them in the world. Yep. So Level Four trainers, Level One—you basically it proves that you have a heartbeat and you're not in in you know you paid attention for a two-day course. Mm-hmm. Um, level two, you got to have some sort of understanding and you got to really pay attention during the two-day course. Level three, you have to have a really deep knowledge base. It's just a multiple question. It's like 300 questions, but there, it's it's a difficult examination to pass. The most rigorous in the fitness industry. Um, and I have my CSCS and it is legit in terms of the knowledge base. But again, there's no real coaching happening because it's on it's through a online examination. Level four is you are coaching a class and these uh, incredible coaches are critiquing your ability to be a good coach. Basically, what they're saying is we now knight you. You will, can represent CrossFit. You are one of the few. You are one of the proud. We want you to be walking around as a beacon and we are going to Imagine if only those guys had affiliates. Now I get it. Like that's kind of like, I'm not saying that that should be the case, but man, like those gyms would be insane, like in a good way. So I don't know, some sort of vetting process for affiliate owners, some sort of business help, some sort of hierarchical, something like that.
0: Interesting. <laughs> I, I I never thought of that. I never thought about can. can connecting in some way the the training levels the level 1 level 2 level yeah. 4 with the affiliate itself i mean obviously they're they're related they're, they're t- but,
1: and they are t- that's the other part too it's yeah. like one saying like you're a great coach which has nothing yeah. to do with the ability to run a business so maybe yeah. it's not even that maybe it's like you have the vetting process for affiliates but then you then have a um another system mm-hmm. that people run through and it's like are you a good business owner yeah like do you have a, a, a like a a proven customer journey. Are you? Um, do you? Are you reviewing your coaches appropriately? Are you, do you have good, uh, like just like normal um, operations? Are your finances yeah. sound and like you have like a level one, two, three, four? And you could, and then when you go on the affiliate finder and you're looking for a gym, you could be like, I'm looking for a, and people might price themselves differently because of that. Like, yeah. I want a level four gym, like a gym that's like a great business, and it's like, you know, like a star system, you know, mm-hmm. beyond just like the customers reviewing because the customers they're reviewing gets at their own experience. Like you're yeah. their children. If you rev- if you ask you know, children how good their family is, everyone's like good until they <laughs> become teenagers and they're like it's bad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I want to think about that some more. I, cuz I like I like the idea I think there's, I think there's, I mean, I, I think it's that it's just, it's just an, it's just an idea. Yeah. I'm not saying this is what I think, they should do. But there's, but what, I, yeah. But what I think is interesting in there is, or, or part of it is, is there a way to objectively measure or objectively um, label an affiliate? What so we're doing that, with coaches. It's the same thing with coaches. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We're and that. then the question is like, how do you then objectively label a gym? Cause back to what you said a level four coach might be, an amazing coach and really terrible at responding to emails within 24 hours. Right. Just the, those two skills aren't necessary. So to, right? all you so- do is
1: you create, a, as you said, an objective assessment. And that assessment could be um, somebody doing an assessment or it could be a little more um, finite in that they, 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 they have to hit certain requirements. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, and if you hit these requirements, it's kind of like, I don't know. I'm sure that like, uh, to be a Michelin star thing, there's, or there's certain things you have to do to uphold certain standards in other industries. It'd be the same type of thing. If you want to yeah. be this, you have to be able to like, uh, there's these like green companies. I forget what they are. Like Patagonia is one. Like,
0: yep. Uh, know, um, what are they called? Uh, uh, B Corps. B
1: Corps. Thank you. Yes. So to be a, that's like, the same thing. To be a B Corp, you have to do, you have to have, uh, be able to, yep. you have to have to do these 30 points to be a B Corp. Yeah. Well, if you do these 30 things, you're a this CrossFit gym. You're a, interesting. And you get, you know, I, I think that some sort of like little, and what would happen there is it's not going to, what's not going to happen, I should say, what I would think would happen is that it's not necessarily that the market's going to be like, I'm only going to B Corps. It's that, People strive for it. And people like business owners, they want to do it anyway. So it just raised the bar on its own. Yeah. You know, I don't think many people when they're buying a uh a new coat are going like they're they're Googling like B Corp corporation coats. Mm-hmm. But because it's a thing, um, those corporations are aspiring for it because it's a worthy cause. It might be the same thing. And it's hard.
0: also on a on a I mean, on a brand level, it is. There are people out there who who like Patagonia for what Patagonia stands for. Yep. And it just so happens that what Patagonia, st- Patagonia stands for is similar to or in line with the B Corp idea. And I think that's part of an identity thing that, that quite honestly, like if there was a level four affiliate, there are lots of people out there who believe themselves to be the one, the, the kinds of people who only pay for the nicest things. Right, they drive a Tesla. They have the latest iPhone the second it comes out, et cetera. They would pick because that's who I am. I'm the kind of person who, who, when given three options, I'm going to figure out well, what is the best, and how do we, how do we uh, ascribe yeah. best? A lot of times, it's by price. Well, if that's the most expensive, that must be the best, and that's where I go to. So I think that's interesting. And then maybe just to wrap this up, so we don't, because so we don't make this whole episode about it, even though it would be fun. I wonder if there's also not an element of like, um, uh, uh mystery shoppers involved yeah, absolutely. Where no. oh, you don't know, but yeah. like, but like you could be, you know, you could work for CrossFit HQ. Let's just say they're they're the ones doing it. You become a member of a gym for three months. You don't say anything. You just, you just go, you just become a member. And the process is you go through and you are there looking for certain things. And are they thing, are they there? Are they a, 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 at a, uh, their five-star or two-star, right? And then maybe that's one way to, to, to figure out, um, yeah, where, like where an affiliate is. All right. Moving on, even though that's fun and I could talk about it all day. What life skills are rarely taught, but extremely useful? You go.
1: Personal finances.
0: Oh, so good.
1: Yeah. It's just period. Yep.
0: Um, Agreed. Yeah. I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> um. Yep. I agree with that. I think my answer would be. This is probably not going to come as a surprise but my answer would be the skill of asking questions. I think is wildly useful and never taught. And it, to some degree it's related to the ability to have an interesting conversation and to listen actively to um to go back and forth to not um not uh one up people like you know we've talked about that a lot. Just the ability to and for me specifically the asking asking of questions actually harkens back to what I said uh, earlier which is you know, what are humans for? Well, I don't know, but creativity and innovation and curiosity are the way we're going to get there. Asking questions is how you do it. And so if you can learn how to ask questions instead of give answers, if you can learn how to uh, put yourself in the position of a student more than uh, the perception of ourselves that we have as experts on anything, um, I think that it only is additive to life when you start to recognize the power of questions to figure out what might be next.
1: Yeah. I like, I like where you're going with that. Um, it, it kind of bleeds into like, I like if we take this as a skill, like, um, Mm -hmm. what you're basically saying is like, almost like just like the growth mindset in general, right. It's like, just that as a skill, like just that whole thing of like, if that was taught, man, that like, it's rarely taught, but it's probably one of the most valuable skills you have. If you have that, then like that's a, more, a bigger umbrella than personal finances or asking the right questions, right? Because, because you can lead you lead to those things if you exactly. if
0: you yes. start from the same yeah. you start from that growth mindset place. Yeah, that's true. I like that. Cool. If you could witness any past, present, or uh, if you, sorry, if you could witness any event, past, present, or future, what would it be? I told you, there's lots of time traveling in this huh. in this episode. All right, you're up. This one actually stumped me a little bit. I'm not sure I have a good answer. I, I'm i going to, I'm just only because we've talked about it a little bit and uh, it would be awfully interesting. But if I could witness the first human turning, let's say 150, I think that'd be pretty fun. super cool. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. 150th birthday, like the first 150th birthday party. I'd like to witness that.
1: I'm going to, um, so it's so interesting is you, you, you passed me these questions a couple of days ago, and this is the one that I socialized with my mm. friends and family. I asked yep. Chandler, I asked Katrin, I asked my son, I asked, um, a whole bunch of people, uh, Pete, my business, uh, a whole bunch of people, this question and mm-hmm. every single person, um, named, a, a date in the past, mm. except for you and my answer. Which is so interesting. Um, it was all hesitation. Nobody talked about future. My my answer would be, um, the first contact with other life forms.
0: Oh, I thought about that too. Yeah.
1: So, like, because it's going to happen. Like at some point, like it's going to happen. There's whatever it is. I'm not the an astronomer. I don't know stuff. But le- there's the estimates are that there's like a hundred thousand potential other Earths out there, and you know what that could harbor life and just like. The moment that happens, like all of man, that'd just be like a really kind of for better or for worse, almost even if it's for worse, like even if they come in, like even if they come in, like, like, like Independence Day style, like it still would be so freaking exciting. And not that I'm not that I'm hoping for that, but like that I'm hoping that it comes in the other form that they come in more, like, you know, like. We come in peace and we have all the cures to your diseases and, yep. um, you know, we know how to cure your environment, but, um, that would be just like, a, I think that'd be such an amazing, amazing, like turning point in humanity, in the world, in the universe, because they'd also go like, Hey, we're, you know, 400,000 years ahead of you guys. Like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, this is all the news and we were just like humanity would like go fast forward, like in like in a blink of an eye, we would have like, it'd be like such an incredible time. Yeah. And I'm like, an, yeah. I'm kind of like, a, I think talk like a, the optimist, like I just think that the future's going to be brighter. So like, I would want to go to the future to see that. I don't want to read the history books of the past, but uh, some of the people like, so like here's some of the, like Chandler. Yeah, I was gonna Chandler, ask you, Yeah. Uh, he wanted to be there. Chandler and my son Jonah are both like m- music people. Um, And like filmies, filmies, is that a thing? Like movies, movies, movie people. (laughs) Chandler said um, to be in the studio for the um, recording of Twist and Shout when John Lennon loses his voice with the Beatles and they just kind of go crazy. Okay. Um, Jonah, my son, said the filming – he had like – my son Jonah is like – he's 16. He's like – so he – um, he predicts 85% of Oscar awards, top to bottom. Like even the ones like um yeah. best editor, like yep. <laughs> um best, I don't even know what these categories are, right? Like best I don't even know, but you can predict 85% of them. Um he's the the filming of super bad, the movie. <laughs> um, um Pete, my CEO uh yep. for with Comptrain said the D-Day invasion. Yep. Um trying to remember what Katrin's was. Um, Oh, Katrin's is. Katrin said the beginning of it all. Like whatever (laughs) that is. Like when we crawl out of the pond or the big bang or Adam and Eve or whatever that is. She just wants (laughs) to see it start. Um, I like that. (laughs) Yeah. So there's some other answers.
0: All right. Cool. Love them all. Next question. What is something that most people learn only after it's too late?
1: Uh, I'm going to mix these. these. I think it's my, I'm going to mix these two. I mean, it's going to be one answer, but it's two answers. Um, um, the present moment and relationship, those two things, the present moment and relationships are actually what really matters. Mm. So, I mean, it's like that whole thing when you ask people on their deathbed, like, what would you have done differently? And very few people are like more time in the office. I would have, you know, I really wish I had earned that extra million. You know, I wish I had, um been valedictorian, I wish that I had, you know, scored six extra goals. They're all kind of like, I wish I just spent more time. I wish I had just like um been more um aware and you know, more present and more. So it's that thing. Like we don't it's the same thing with like you lose somebody. It's like you just want like you just want that extra time with that person. And well if that's the case when you lose somebody, when you lose yourself, what are you gonna, what's the thing that you're gonna look back and like it's it's too late it was kind of the question um so me that's the real thing is like and i think we can all bring that present uh, that that hindsight into the present moment um and maybe with that it also goes like don't sweat the small stuff
0: mm.
1: because that's what pulls us away from those other the the things that really do matter the most you know so maybe there's three answers there relationships present moment don't sweat the
0: small stuff yeah Yep. Uh, obviously I agree with all those. I think those are, those are great answers. Mine is <clears throat> recognizing or realizing fully that nobody is thinking about you almost ever and to stop <laughs> obsessing about yes. what somebody thinks about you or worrying if somebody likes you, worrying if they care about the shoes you're wearing. Mostly everybody's just thinking about themselves most of the time and just Living with that, just, just easing yourself into that. I think lowers, I'm I'm honestly just thinking about myself in high school. Um, that would have lowered my, my general life anxiety by about a hundred percent. Um, if you, if you just realize that like nobody, nobody really cares.
1: The the Winston Churchill quote, like in your twenties, you're so you're in your twenties, you're so worried about what other people are thinking of you in Mm. your forties. You stop caring what other people think about you. In your sixties, you realize no one's thinking about you anyway.
0: <laughs> there you go. So if you could speed that up, so that yes. you're not in your sixties when you realize that. And
1: that's why, like going back to the first question or one of those early questions, is like that's why forties are pretty awesome. It's like you really do stop caring so much about that stuff. Yep. And not entirely. I'm not. I'm not saying I, I don't. No, no, no. I'm, but I'm. It's better than it was.
0: Yep. Agreed. If someone asked to be your apprentice and learn all that you know, what would you teach them? Your turn. Uh, I would first... um, How to grow a perfect amount of stubble. (laughs) <laughs> that's easy um <laughs> um so i think i think what i when i would think about is okay first if it's an apprentice you've got to assume that they're relatively young right like you're not going to apprentice i don't think with a 35 year old right so getting them relatively young and what would be useful helpful uh for somebody let's just say for me anyways as i was thinking about it like 17 to 19 would probably be the the ideal age for this particular thing and the thing is I would want them to learn, and I'm by by no means an expert at it, but this is what I've kind of spent whatever my professional life has been trying to figure out how to do it better, which is to to build what I consider to be communication skills. And by that, I mean the ability to write, the ability to take pictures, the ability to make video, the ability to create or produce a podcast, the ability to create um, uh, graphics, whatever that might be some amount of graphic design the ability to create a website um um to 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 have enough skill to figure out something like mailchimp right all of those things are kind of to me in the same bucket of communication skills and the reason why i would that's what i would try to teach them is because that becomes a bridge to wherever you end up or could become a bridge to wherever it is you might end up going so if you if i can get you at 17 to 19 really understanding the power of those things and really working on the skills of those things. And at 21 or or 26 or or 29, you decide, oh, this thing that I'm doing isn't what I want to be doing. I want to go do that thing. Well, now you have the skills to actually start getting yourself toward that. Um, right. So if you want to go start a gym, if you want to become a coach, if you want to start a business, if you want to um, start a nonprofit, if you want to become a teacher, the communication skills that I just laid out would help get you there faster. And they would help you get there faster without needing to rely on other people who have those kinds of skills. Because in the world that we are in now, the world that we're going to continue to go in, communication is uh, leverage for everything and anything you want to do. And so either you have to have those skills or you have to find somebody to have those skills and convince them to come help you build the thing or do the thing or go, go on the journey that you want to go on. And so if you could yourself own those skills, you can then either, uh, partner with somebody else, you could build that, you could use those skills together, or you could just simply go and then attract the kind of people you need on that journey to help you do that thing even better.
1: Yeah. I like your, uh, the, the idea of it is the skills being transferable, right? And it's yeah. not, it's not this transactional thing of like, I know Excel, let me teach you Excel. It's like, right. um, Mine would be, well, if it's an, um teach them everything you know, I think what's the question. Like, mm-hmm. um to me it's more of a question is like that's an impossibility. It's more about like where do you start? Yep. Um and I think and and it's also like what's your skill set? So like if they're coming to apprentice with you, like what's your skill set? And um uh, my skill set is um as a business owner, like you, as a communicator, um, and as a, a, a coach. Um and i think that the the thing that kind of is the through line between all of those is um be, being really clear about what it is that you're chasing like like mm. what i would do is teach somebody how to spend um the process not even i would teach somebody the process of defining what you are seeking because I think once you, if they're going to be an apprentice, they're going to start climbing the ladder. And I think what happens a lot of times is that people climb ladders only to get to the top, realizing that the ladders were leaning up against the wrong wall. Yep. And I think the most important thing we could all do at a young age is determine what wall do we want our ladders leaning up against. From there, if there's something that I've been successful at, it is um, climbing those rungs and the goals that I've set forth for myself. I, like I, I've been incredibly intentional about arranging my time and efforts to be able to achieve those goals. What You know, whether it's mm-hmm. a successful affiliate or, um, win the CrossFit games, uh, with the team, with individuals, um, you know, um, you know, earning potential, um, family life, how much time I'm spending life, like all the things that, I, so, and then what we just do is we keep on like, Shifting and moving those things, so that we continually be as intentional with the next thing that we're chasing. But uh, to me, that's the missing link that uh, and most young people or most people that are seeking things don't quite have. Is there's this? I would like to say there's a disconnect between what I want and what I need to to get there. But the disconnect is they're not beginning with the end in mind. They don't know what they mm-hmm. want yet. So if there's one thing I would do, I would teach them how to begin. With the end in mind, and then how to take the necessary steps backwards to figure out where do we start today. And it's it's not complicated, but I mean you've been with me on this journey since I started this thing. It's not complicated at all, but it is um irritative. It it takes um you you're constantly tweaking and changing it. And once you figure out that process of how to constantly tweak, you can kind of set your mind. I don't, I don't want to like, yeah, you can set your, once you do it, you can kind of say, uh, begin with the end in mind anywhere. And I really believe you can achieve anything. Like mm. if, if me, if you and I wanted to go and, um, take one of your things,
0: mm-hmm.
1: be around and alive to see someone turn 150 and yep. You and I really, really wanted that. I believe that you and I could make that happen. Mm-hmm. I honestly do like that's to that level, and obviously that's that's never happened before in the history of the world, so anything short of that can happen. it's just a matter of of this process and yeah. i I don't want to say I've totally figured it out um because I haven't, but um I feel like that's the biggest missing gap that I had when I started this thing is I didn't know it was about beginning with the end in mind. I thought it was just about like, so the question people would ask me is like, what's your five year plan? I'd be like, I don't know. I'm just trying to pursue excellence today. Sound That's such a cool snazzy answer. It's a cop-out answer. It's mm-hmm. a total cop-out. What it means is like, I'm just going to do the best I can today and work as hard as I can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's and said another way. I'm climbing a ladder, not knowing if it's leaning up against the right wall. Mm-hmm. like take a step back. And once you take that step back, all of a sudden your daily routine, like people are like, I just want to, I know, I know I'm taking a little bit longer here, but they're just kind of waiting for retirement instead of just optimizing the day. Like that to me is like, what we should all be doing is I would teach people how to optimize the day, like mm-hmm. dial in the day. Cause that's all your life is, is the sum of your days and make every day so disciplined yet phenomenal like mm. like it's going to be so similar but that similarity allows you to be different whenever you want it to be for example like yesterday um i am so i do if you say like uh three o'clock on a tuesday i know exactly what i'm doing like and it's not be, mm-hmm. and um you know, 5.45 a.m., 5.45 p.m. It's like that, but it allows me to every now and then to completely detach and completely do something completely different. Mm-hmm. And I know what I'm doing, not because I'm at work, like that type of thing. I'm doing all of those minutes. I am loving what I'm doing. I believe that's, we can all, I believe that's attainable for everybody, that we can love Love, love, love every minute of our day. I really believe that. And if you're doing that and you're my apprentice, I think I feel like we're playing with house money after that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Again, similar to what I said. That becomes the that becomes a bridge skill to wherever you end up, right? As long as you have that in your pocket, as long as you've got that as the foundation, wherever you go, you can you can get there.
1: Yeah. So I think what most people do is they go like, well, I want to, when I retire, I want to, um, buy a boat and, um, go fishing, um, in the Gulf of Mexico. And what they do is they'll just do anything they need to. um, They work three jobs between now and then to make that dream happen. That's the exact opposite of what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is like, what's the optimal day look like? And how are you, how are you going to try to get to that today? Like closer to that today. Not yep. push off the dream and sacrifice today for that dream.
0: Love that. We have we've already put a pin in the idea of maybe doing an episode on designing your life or designing your day. So I don't oh, that's I, yeah. I think we can keep talking about this, but I, I think um let's save that for its for its own episode because I, I think clearly there's lots there. Um okay, next question. Is the first impression of a person always right?
1: So Whenever there's an always, the answer is always no. <laughs> and always or a never is the answer is always no. So Correct. I, I, should, I should answer that with an always. You so did, should, I thought it was be, actually
0: yeah. intentional and, and ironic. Yeah. How about if it's is the first impression of a person usually right? Uh, that's I a would much. Change that's it a right. much better question. Um,
1: <laughs> I, I would say this is so subjective, but I would say no, it's not. Mm. Um, I. I, I'm just not a big fan at all of first impressions. Um, yeah, interesting. I think that I'm a fan of um, learning and trust, both of which take time. Yeah. So I I just really don't like first impressions. And I'm even more so against um, when you haven't met someone yet and somebody tells you about them. That's the worst possible. Like,
0: yeah, that's like a secondhand first
1: impression. Yeah, that's the worst. Like, here's my interpretation of this person. Yeah. Like that's the worst of that. So yeah, I would, I'm answer so for me, that is no. Yeah.
0: Interesting. I I like, I like what's embedded in there is your, your answer uh, gives room for growth, right? Gives room for that individual, let's say to grow into something maybe that they aren't today. And I think that that's uh, valuable and worth thinking about When, when I saw this question or when I think, when I think about this question, what I think about is that. Is the first impression always, or, or is the first impression of a person usually right? Yeah, it, it's usually true, but it's not the entire truth. And I think that those two things are an, import, an important distinction to make. I think when I meet you, I'm going to get just a glimmer of who you are, but it's just a glimmer. It, and I think that the the problem with assuming that the first impression is the entire person is that there's no possible way that that can be the entire person. And so what I would say is, y- y- yes, but not, but that it's, but the glimmer that you see is not enough for you to get a sense of who they are.
1: Yeah. I would, I would further it with, um, you know, the, the, the quote that we've used before is like, be curious, not judgmental. You know, it's like, uh, there's, it's so easy to like meet someone and go up oh, that yep. and label, and then yep. create a story and a narrative in our own head, yep. which is our own ego fueling itself. Yep. And instead like realize so i mean we've talked about this we're both parents of young kids it's so easy i mean it would be so easy to imagine if i saw you in the grocery store with your kid at your worst moment Mm -hmm. and me to like create a story in my head of who you are and who you are as a parent when that's not who you are you're just having one bad moment and then vice versa you see you at your very very best moment and it's like that's also not who you are it's like I just think that there's this uh, the room for growth. They like don't judge. Um, you know, I learned a lot of that from from my wife Heather. You know, she's so good at like, um, you know, the, the, you know I think it was like in uh, um like in the movie Jackass or something like that. They put a they put a bassinet on top of the car and <laughs> with a baby in it, and then drive around and feel freaking. She's like, and, and I'm watching that with her, and she's like they shouldn't judge. I'm like, that's pretty, that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. I might judge that one. She's like, she's like, bad things happen. There. Bad things happen. It's like, you're pretty forgiving,
0: but yeah, I love that. Love that. All right. We've got two more questions. Should student athletes at a, at big name schools be paid?
1: Uh, you, e, e, uh, I'll go. And, um, okay. I don't know. I, that's That's mm. to that. Now, if I had to take a stance on it, um, without knowing so I've heard mixed things on this. I've heard that the economics are not what we think the economics are and that there's really only 10 schools in the country that actually make money off their sports programs. Mm-hmm. I'm going to assume yeah. I'm going to assume that that's not true and it's just what we kind of assume as of as a yeah. as a general knowledge of like, you know, um Alabama and you know, um Texas and USC and these schools make, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars off just their football program alone. Yeah. Um, if that's the Here's my answer. Here's my answer. If it is a disproportionate profitable business, then yes. If it's not, then no. That's my answer. Mm. I don't. Yeah. So the answer is I don't know the economics. The truth. Um, the truth of it. So I, I mean, that's my answer to that. Because um, if you say yes across the board, that could put a huge hole. Because I, I just really think it's the uh, division. One is the the haves and the have nots, right? Like. Mm-hmm. Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State, um, Oregon, you know, these schools are probably pulling in close to $100 million a season, not paying their athletes. But I have no idea, um, you know, what the, you know, University of Massachusetts and these other like, you know, um, these, you know, Toledo or what are these like, you know, more like second and third tier, and if everyone has to pay, that's going to just make the disparity even greater. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: so I don't know. If, if they're making money, it's across the board or there's some sort of profit share. I don't – short answer is I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not I'm, – I'm, I'm not I'm – not, I'm not, informed enough to make a good
0: yeah I, that's exactly what I was gonna say I'm, I'm with you in in pleading ignorance on, you know I'm yeah. sure that lots of smart people have come down on either side of these the only thing I thought about and again it's mostly here's maybe of the my thing
1: ignorance. is like I'm not against it right that's the that's probably the answer it's more of a if it's a if it's a more philosophical question of um of like is it wrong for student athletes to get paid the answer for me there is no like mm-hmm. if the, if they're creating the business they should be able to benefit from the business
0: yeah <clears throat> yeah, the only thing, and I agree with that. I think where what I thought started thinking about again, out of mostly ignorance, is I think it'd be an, an interesting scenario where you look at it in the same way that you look at joining the team of a startup in the early years of it, in the sense of you get equity or you get stock options, but you've got a but but they vest over time, and so what I started thinking about is well, what would it be interesting if you were to. If you stay for four years and you play that sport for four years, the four years or five years or whatever it is after that, you get a certain stipend. You don't get it while you're at school because I think that that complicates complicates life in a way that is probably unnecessary. And so you don't get paid. You get, obviously, they're on scholarship. So it's not as if they're shelling out cash to do this. But so you're on scholarship for those four years. And then again, for some period of time afterwards, you get... Profit sharing, like, like you just said, um, if you stay the full four years, the reason being, if you bail, then just like at a startup, if you leave after two years, you're not going to get invested. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, or if these are really big schools, if you go pro, well, then you don't need this stipend. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so anyways, I thought, I That's thought cool. that that was, that was a way to, to maybe bridge the gap between the, the, the yeses and the nos. Last question. What's your favorite CrossFit Games event ever? Hmm. Um. Okay, so
1: there's I I I don't know if I have I'd have to think more about this to create my favorite, but one that pops yep. in my mind uh, a lot that I really enjoyed from a from a number of different perspectives was um, the rope climb snail. Do you remember that event? So you know I mean? it was, they um, they ran the berm in the soccer stadium in the StubHub Center. So that yep. awesome run, like, man, do I miss that. For people that don't remember it, they, they basically climbed two flights of stairs. Then they went over this big arching thing across the stair, which is like big hill run. Then they came down the other side and it was incredibly visual because everybody mm-hmm. ended up going single file because they went up the stairs. So it was like so easy to like, and everyone was in view the entire time. So it wasn't like a normal run where like, there they go, like watching a cross country meet. And like you wait 15 minutes for them to come back again. So the visual aspect and you could see passes, it was just really, really cool. So after they do the berm run, they would come back down. They would do, I think it was two legless rope climbs. And then they would come down and they would push this, um, huge, massive 400 pound red hay bale, round hay bale. Mm-hmm. Um, where they would push it like hand over hand, rolling it down the field, and they did that four rounds, and there was just so much. Um, so it was very much a fitness test because there was so much work to be done, but yet there was a skill aspect or a gymnastic aspect with this rope climb. But there's also a can you figure it out aspect. Of this hay bale so there's like mm. learning something no one had ever pushed the hay bale before I was gonna say. you couldn't touch yeah. it before you went on the field so you had to figure out on the fly um and then there was this visual aspect of like watching you could see the entirety of the race and you know like we, like we watch like a murph event and people are just doing squats in place you have no idea who's winning until 30 yeah. squats later someone moves forward this is like yep. every single second it's people marching across the field essentially and it was such a visual aspect and then the Third part of it was, um, that was the first year I think that Katrin won the games and, Mm -hmm. um, it was, or maybe it was, no, it was their second year. It was the second year. Um, so so she had, yeah, so she had, uh, she had just won the games and she was trying to repeat and she repeated the second time and, um, she just competed so well. She started off in like ninth place in her heat and moved up to like second or something like that. So it was like this comeback. She paced it perfectly. Everyone else died and, um, it was just an incredibly exciting, cool of uh, spectator event, cool event to watch, and I, I, I really do miss that, um, that soccer stadium because now in Madison when they do the running events they leave the stadium, right, and they disappear for two and a half minutes until they come back and you're like and here they come back. and it's like you just have no idea what's going on, whereas that event it was like you, it was just really cool the run became, you know. As exciting, or the most exciting part, where now the run right. is a throwaway,
0: right, right. I love that. Um, mine would be—I I don't know if I have a specific event. Uh, maybe I do, but my, what I think about immediately is uh, 2010, the first year at the StubHub. Is that what it's called now? What was originally? Uh, what was
1: it? it was the, the no. It was the StubHub. Now it's the Home Depot Center. Home Depot, or the other way around? No, sorry.
0: Whatever it was. Yeah, but you're right.
1: No, it was the Home Depot, and now it's the StubHub. Okay. I don't know. And
0: so, back in 2010, first year, it was there. I was still doing a lot of filming for CrossFit HQ. It was before CrossFit was, uh, you know, a media juggernaut and had a, 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 had hundreds of people running around with cameras. And so, I, w- I had a very privileged position to just literally, or quite literally, be on the floor <laughs> with my little camera for the entire entirety of the 2010 games. And I remember the two events that really stick out. They were both. I don't know. I don't think they were the same night, but they were both kind of that evening event in the, in the tennis stadium, which was for folks who remember it. Like that was kind of like a magical, fun, intimate experience. And so the two events that I really, I think I'm getting the the same year, but, uh, getting them right in terms of that they were the same year. Um, and correct me if, if I'm wrong, but Amanda, the first time we saw Amanda, that was the first event
1: ever at the StubHub center. Yep.
0: Okay. And then, um, and then the wheelbarrow, the where they scaled the wall, yeah. brought the sandbag. They, sandbags they up repeated and down. that. They've
1: done that twice now.
0: They done you're right, they have. And the, yes. and the first year, um, I think was twenty ten. I think I remember those, those years. Heather right? was, yeah, it was. I remember yeah. that. Well, yeah. Yep.
1: Heather did the wheelbarrow one, did really, really well. Yeah.
0: And so those two stick out to me as just being like the, there was just the sense in the stadium of like, yeah, oh, we're this is the beginning of something interesting. Yeah. This is fun. This is This isn't uh, a bunch of athletes running around in the dirt in California. This is real. Like this could become something. And for me, it was also like, I get to be here and I get to, and and I'm friends with half these people and I get to, this is what I get paid to do. And so like that whole kind of magical elixir of the thing, uh, when I really think about like my favorite events, they're almost more about me than anything else, (laughs) but that's what I think about. Yeah. Cool. Love that. I'm a man. That was fun. That was Hopper Talk. Thank you to everybody out there listening. Let us know if you like these episodes. I think it's the fourth one. So far, we've had good response, good reaction to them. So we'll keep going every once in a while. Uh, assuming people like them, thank you for your ratings and your reviews. We'll be back next week for another episode of Chasing Excellence. You can get every episode of Chasing Excellence wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Until next time, thank you for listening.